So we've been in this, this uh, pandemic situation for quite a while now. And what are you learning from it? Um, so rather than even wish this will be over with, which is an understandable um, thought, uh, here it is. What can we learn from it? Well, you probably learn <laughs> a few things. Yeah. You know, the baseline, I mean, the foundation, which we maybe have been living our lives as of uh, job, work, um, daily rhythms, um, visiting people, um, going out for dinner, uh, suddenly all that, you know, sort of blown away or considerably disturbed, no longer a guaranteed thing. Yeah. And what happens then? People feel uh, frustrated, uh, worried, anxious, lonely, um, what am I going to do? Uh, stuck here? Uh, yeah. mm. And also is the reckon none of, none of that that one kind of relied upon or was normal was guaranteed. It wasn't the baseline. It was a it was a condition structure that was able to be supported through mass participation and co and some degrees of cooperation in it. And yet not, not solid at all. And the ability that human beings have to to generate a system yeah, such as our normal, what's maybe the normal working world for many people, but not everyone, remember, um, and keep it going, even with all its uh, misfits. In fact, it's, a lot of it's stressful, extremely stressful, um, agitated, um, uh, impure not ethically pure um, and by and large you know very engrossing it really asks a lot of you to be engrossed in the daily round even though the daily round is has many impurities in it is not satisfying it's got happy pieces in it of course but mainly thrives on a sense of we keep going, we roll on, and there'll be things we can do. We can go out, watch a movie, we can have dinner, we can go for a trip. Many little things we can have to make it more comfortable. Now, if that, none of that is possible, then what does it look like? And we have a chance to actually step back and realise, well, this uh, baseline of society for perhaps most of you people, myself, well, to a certain degree myself, it's not, not a baseline. You know, there's lots of people, how many million people starving to death in Yemen? Um, you know, people, you know, carrying their belongings, their children, trying to find somewhere to go, walking 800 miles, 900 miles up through Central America to try and find some place where they could feel safe. 
people jumping on boats in Libya, many of them drowning in the Mediterranean, trying to find somewhere safe to go. You know, people living in tents or under plastic in Calais, France, trying to get some way of getting over to Britain. And the police come in and knock the tent city down and so forth. No shelter, no job, no food, no money. You know, well, and, um, and we take these things, shelter, food, money, as normal. Yeah. Uh, uh. Mm. Now, of course, there's areas we can go into in that way of thinking that will lead into, well, what's our society based on? What's right action? What about sharing? What about, you know, generosity and so forth? And social systems, political systems, economic systems. I think we'd have to say really that it's a failed model. I mean, not completely failed, but when we see such um, uh, horrible things uh, be, not being remedied, when we see such destruction uh, of the planet uh, going on to the point which human life is, in, in the next hundred years anyway, is growing increasingly threatened by climate. When we see these things not being able to be addressed, you realize the model is a failed model. It, it's, yeah. Uh, and how do we reset? Can we reset? We must reset. How, do, how does that happen? And of course, one can feel just a sense, oh my goodness, so much to have to, you know, things to deal with. But really, you know, the big reset that you can directly touch is resetting your priorities to, very simply speaking, to the awareness of conditions rather than engrossed in them or hanging on to them or holding them or owning them. Now this is, you know, it seems a long way from meditation to dealing with social topics, but we have to start somewhere to get the right kind of mindset, the right kind of mental equipment. Since, you know, the defective um, structures and systems we have arose from the mind. Human mind, human beings participated and do participate in all that it didn't just land from nowhere right? it came from a particular mindset fundamentally how to get control dominate and how to you know exploit you know, see something cut it down you know, eat it kill it take it for me will be in mind. You know? So this domination mindset. And we've got to change that by really recognizing when you bring back to something that's very immediate and intimate, the most helpful way to be with that is just to be open with that and stay present with that. Relate to it in this open, careful, steady way. One of the 
paradox is for people who, who haven't really got much <laughs> hand-on practice, and even for people who do, is how you know the, the teaching of suffering makes you happy. <laughs> you know, the people who've really grasped suffering or dukkha are the happiest people. And that doesn't, you know, it's such a miserable teaching. No, it's not. It's it's just uh, it, it, it's realistic, and the realism is, is that conditioned phenomena, objects, are unsatisfying, incomplete, problematic, never quite fit into human uh, design. With uh, when you recognise that the the, the sense is. The response to that is because of that you begin to not keep trying to make things mine my way and get what I want and have this and the other. It is into more cooperative paradigm. And also the ability to sustain awareness over the nature of feeling. Yeah. Things feel yeah, and some of that feeling is uncomfortable or not particularly stimulating, not very interesting, yeah, or disagreeable or something that's rather pleasant and how when there's inadequate sati mindfulness then with the pleasant we start to spin out get excited uh, with the unpleasant we also spin out get excited in a negative way and all this excitement agitation constricts we get a sense of pressure building up and, and then the pressure makes us panicky or urgent Got to get more. Make this happen. Don't have that way, you know. So then suddenly the world becomes a very dense and 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 pressurized place because we haven't been able to manage feeling. We haven't been able to manage feeling. <laughs> yeah, some things feel bad. It's disagreeable. Uh, and it's not just to do with sensations, it's to do with, you know, psychological, disappointing, yeah. uh, uh, saddening, um, heartbreaking. Um, uh, frustrating. Um, these qualities, you know, so, and then... But it should be. It should be like we should stop it. It shouldn't be this. We should no. It should have be like. I don't want it to be this. Stop it. Something's going wrong. It's your fault. It's his fault. It's my fault. It's God's fault. It's somebody's fault. You get angry. Everything tightens up. What should I do about it? What should I do about it? What should I do about it? I've got to make it this way. I've got to have more of that. I can't let that go. I've got to, you know, because we haven't been able to handle unpleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling without the mind getting saturated and losing its axis. We haven't been able to manage the, the, uh, the unknowing. We don't always know what to do. So you, like you come into the end of a breath, inhalation, exhalation, just, will there be another breath? I don't know. Will you breathe in again? Who knows? What's it about? I don't know. 
open, without having to predict, and have it fixed and planned and organised before it happens. You know how much of one's daily reality is about, has been about organising, planning the future. Yeah. Well, think, well, because it, it gives us a sense of there will be a future, and then we're going to keep rolling on and yeah, that's nice and clear, sorted, straight lines, there we go, it's smooth. And you can spend hours and hours smoothing out that track into the future. And now we just think, well, maybe there isn't one. Maybe there won't be a vacation. Maybe there won't be a flight. Maybe you won't be able to go and see your cousin. Forget it. It's not guaranteed. But, 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 you know. And how much one's time is spent operating on something as untenable and intangible as the future. And really putting a lot of effort into making that as fixed and clear as possible. This is how we generate the structures that eventually strangle us. We have to handle it, make it work, worry about it. There's a reality, you know, breathing out, breathing in. Something happens or it doesn't happen. Now, do we have any say over that? Not immediately. Not right now. Mindfulness is not right now. It's the moment we wait. Don't move in. And we'll see what shapes up. And then, okay. Now, in breathing in and out, what's going to shape up <laughs> mostly it's not going to be that challenging <laughs> it may be maybe your mind will come up with some uh, worries and doubts and so forth but, yeah, because that can also happen and then, uh, and rather than have the fixity of view that this shouldn't be happening mindfulness Aware of that, now, now what's the response from that? Very simply, feeling, feeling disappointed, feeling losing it, feeling. You know, can you manage feeling? If you can manage feeling, then the mind will regain its axis, and you can allow. You know, then the, the phenomena that, that that feeling is based upon can move and change. Feeling will tend to resonate the experience and you become what you feel. The mind wraps itself in what is felt. When it's pleasant, that's very nice, except you know, we like some more of it and it has to change. When it's unpleasant, it's extremely uncomfortable. Where that feeling is based upon 
welfare of another, you feel really saddened and somebody else is having a struggle. But of course, and yet, if you follow that feeling, you're not going to be able to assist them. I remember a friend of mine telling me of a man who was a, he was a doctor, heart specialist, and he was uh, out with his girlfriend she had a heart attack. And he was so, so shocked and panicked that he could not, he couldn't deal with it. And then uh, she passed away. Now, can you blame him for feeling, well, I wouldn't blame anybody anyway, but yeah, sure, it's, it's shocking, it's panicking, it's, but can you manage the feeling? This is a feeling stabilize you learn this somebody's blaming me uh, somebody's leaving me out it's not fair uh, somebody's manage the feeling okay, so that don't let it escalate into a mind state mind state which is so familiar mind states of feeling unliked mind states of jealousy mindsets of feeling overwhelmed, can't manage this, it's too much for me, way beyond me. You know, so many things I've got to do and this is a problem I can't solve. What you must solve is the problem of handling feeling, disagreeable feeling. You know, now, I'm not saying that's the whole picture, but these, these are the keys To mean that you know, your mind, your jitta, your only constant resource, your only constant resource is jitta. That is it. No system, no structure is is going to do it. This is the only constant resource you have. Everything else is luck, gift work, something that you get for a while. Jitta is there birth through birth and death, right? This is it. If you get this one right, you've got the most important faculty, the only one you could really rely upon. If you clean it and train it properly, then you can know this is your jitta can sense, okay, when I'm no longer overwhelmed by the feeling, I think I can do that. Or, no, this is something I can't do. That's disappointing, maybe, but it happens to be true. So, maybe we just have to wait, look, pause, check. And uh, once you, you're cultivating jitta through mindfulness, fundamentally your, your mindfulness practice is going to see certain things such as and feeling is probably one of the most important candas, aggregates to, to manage because this is the one that gets you going. And then the sankharas 
or the mental formations, the psychologies, attitudes, impulses, programs that arise from that. They tell you something about, oh, this is, this is, you know, you learn about those. This is the agitation. This is the compulsiveness. You can kind of make a self out of it. Blame yourself for all kinds of unpleasant things about yourself. Doesn't shift that. Doesn't do anything useful to that. You go back to where did it rise from? It rose from feeling, perception and feeling. Perception, the meaning, the impression something has. Feeling, the quality of being affected. Can you manage that? Manage it doesn't mean I've got an answer for it. Manage it doesn't mean I can make it go away. Manage it doesn't mean I can find out what the reason for it being there is. No, that's not managing it. Managing it's can I remain ungrasping at it, not adhered to it, not stuck by it, so that that experience can be felt. And the beauty of it is, if it's allowed to be felt, it, feeling moves through. And you, you, you feel spacious and calm and steady. And so, as I've said many times, you know, part of our support for chitta is body. Another thing that's a kind of a, a given, right? Of all the structures that we live within, this one is the home base, isn't it? You know, till, till death. And whether, whatever you think about it, whether you like it or not, <laughs> there it is. Well, you, you got born. So there's again, you try to look at the baselines, the real baselines, and you haven't got much. You've got embodiment, you are, you are, there's an embodied experience, and you have chitta, you have awareness. So you got to say, well, that's what you have to rely on. And that may seem flimsy. Well, how am I going to get a job? How am I going to make a living? But from there, actually, you started, well, let's start with that. You're going to be since people you can trust because you know you you can you know you, you get a sense of, of clarity and there's a natural warmth that comes from that when the chitter is not constrained not restricted is naturally warm and you begin to find a sense of companionship and this is how true true societies you know, or true familial uh, experiences where people cooperate comes from chitta, heart to heart. Yeah. Comes heart to heart. And if if your heart's if your chitta's not there, you can't get it. And you're going to find so from there. You, begin to sense the sense of the cooperative sense and generally once cooperation starts happening people get oh yeah we can do things this is interesting enthusiasm arises so you start this process going I mean this is how human relationships occur and it's you recognize another baseline if you like is the baseline the fact that no one can survive on their own. You know, maybe a percentage can survive on 
very little of other people. Maybe they can kind of pick fruit or shoot animals or something like that. But, um, you know, having children, you can't do that on your own. You know, it takes, even to get born, even to get, to get conceived, takes two people. To get born, probably takes a few more. To get reared, takes even more people. We, we are essentially interwoven on that conditioned level. And if you won't actually get anything, you know, any kind of anything done, you've got to rely on other people. And this is how this seeming frailty of the individual is conversely an encouragement for jitta to meet, to bond, to form social harmony. You know, social harmony is not law and order. As we see, you can create all the laws you like. You can create another law. You can create, an, you know, <laughs> somebody will break it. <laughs> They'll find a way around it. And so often, as we find so often, the lawmakers are often breaking the laws. And the legal system that is operating is not based upon ethics. It's based upon, it's a commodity, right? Whereby if you've got enough money, you get a good lawyer who can find a way to, to manipulate the system. It's not actually about who's innocent and who's right and who's, what's proper. It's about what's legal. And that's not necessarily about, based on ethics. It's, a, it's, a, it's another object. Law becomes an object. Ethics is not an object. Ethics is a, is a subject, heart quality. So this is really where we begin to see the real organising, for fruitful organising, which is not constantly being manipulated and twisted, subject to domination, has to come from, from, from jitta, from heart, not from just creating some system. All systems are subject to corruption. Sabe Sankara Anicca Sabe, you know, all, all systems, all conditions are impermanent. Sankara is also the systems that arise from our minds, our, our do this and then that, and this and that, our plans and our ways of working. That's a Sankara, that's a conditioning program. And you can see by and large, these conditions become uh, conditioning forces, become, have an objective reality to them. So they eventually control us. For example, money is a, is a conditioned force. It means nothing, and yet it controls everyone. It's just, what is it? You can't eat it, you can't wash in it, you can't drink it, you can't wear it. It doesn't shelter you. Useless. And yet it's the most powerful thing in the world. It's a, it's a sankara. It's a conditioned force. And all that human energy has gone out to generating these conditioned forces to the point where they've lost touch with the heart. Now, if it's in touch with the heart, then of course you can use that money when I'll share it with her and him. I've got, you know, 700 of them, I'll give you one. Why not? Because that's heartful, isn't it? And that's how it works. And as you, you see, in this time of crisis, some ways we do recognise the, the frailty of our social model, we also realise the strength of human beings. 
This is the time when neighbours have helped each other. This is the time when volunteers have turned up. This is the time when people have given more for each other. We do very well in crisis, actually, because suddenly we have to rely on our own goodwill, our sense of moral concern, and we have to rise up. Uh, and it, we do. And that's, that's part of the beauty of it. You see, when they have a few years back, there was a big tsunami or something, in, came from across from Indonesia, the governments were thinking about how much to donate, and people were just throwing money in, you know, spontaneously, privately. And the, the amount of free will donations surpassed the government's donations. You know, subjectively, we're stronger and more accurate and more compassionate uh, and less nitpicking about, well, can we afford this? Can we, is, is it fair? We don't bother with that stuff. You know, the heart speaks and you follow it. And this is very important to, to train so that your heart can speak. You can. You can think with your heart. And so the thinking there, for example, when we're meditating, we tuck of each other, it's not just, okay, watch the breath, get on to that, this and this. What? Be with your breathing. It's a heartful touch. It's a heart-based touch. It's not an order. It's not a legal system. It's not an engineering job. It's not something you could examination, it's a heartful touch, just the right tonality that brings attention onto something from a loving, careful, heartful place and considers it and holds it over and gets the mm, is generous. And the greater it gets, the more generous it gets to you have all the time in the world to allow a breath to come to an end and all the time in the world to let the pause be as long as it will and all the time in the world to allow a thought to rise and pass until you get out of the grip of time. Time is a sankara, time is a construction that like money is, what do you mean 8 o'clock? I don't see 8's. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. It's time for this, it's time for that. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, where are these things? Where are these things called minutes? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's only 60 seconds in them, and the 60 of these minutes are an hour. Have you gone mad? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sankara, it's a constructed phenomenon that could have its uses if we want to kind of arrange something, but it's so divorced itself from, the, from our hearts, it's become, get this done by this time. It's become another facet in the domination. Right? Hurry up, get things done. You can't do this now because it's not the right time. It's another thing that controls and governs people into 
what into often sorry business commodities you know before we had clocks before we had all this sort of stuff can you imagine <laughs> what it's like to try to organize people well you know we'll sort of see you in the when it's round about the middle of the day or something like that yeah no different rhythm now i'm not saying we can dispense with these amazing gadgets and these systems but can we actually step beyond them so they don't don't have that same anxiety and pressure so that the sankaras that we've generated we're not bound in them in that compressed way we're not late for anything we're not expecting something we're not you know, because right now time in reality is just change and change is happening now all the time you're being with that you're being with that you're never late you're never early you're right here and now And so this very much helps to moderate the way that the structured, conditioned social reality grips and binds you. And it's up for us to, for all us to, to really sense in this amazing life that we have. You know, we, that, you know, we can take the baseline of our nationality, doesn't count. Baseline on our, our wealth doesn't count. The baseline is birth, death, and liberation. Birth, death, liberation. That's the baseline. Don't forget the last one. Liberation is a baseline. It's a fundamental human potential. And it's liberation from this uh, conditioned process. And it's every time that we break through and live through and reach others in that world beyond conditioned time, beyond conditioned wealth, beyond conditioned structures. You see, there's another uh, a reality that serves us better. We're here. We're able to be loving, patient, generous, humorous, intelligent, creative, playful, quiet, accepting, serene with the world of conditions as they change. There's no pressure. This quality of knowing, the anya, which is the culmination of, of our training, is a, a practice, the knowingness. And sometimes it's even you know, there's a sort of, you can use it in very different ways. It could be something quite mystical or it could be something fairly pragmatic. It's the, it's the knowingness of the heart. There's a, so someone who's said to be competent is uh, as Dhammanyutar. They know the way things are. They know the unsatisfactoriness. They're not saying, oh, it's gone wrong. They know unsatisfactoriness. They know the nature of the conditioned world. They're Dhammanyutar. So if they've got that, 
and knowing things straight from the heart. Yeah, someone who is atanyuto, atanyuto, which means they have a sense of the meaning and the purpose. And meaning here is to arrive at a place of clarity, harmony, you know, to follow our values. Atanyuta, they're someone who knows themselves. They know their own makeup. They know their own strengths, weaknesses, capacities. Matanyuta, uh, they're someone who knows moderation. This is enough. That's enough. Thank you. You know, don't need more than that. Uh, you know, they know also I've done enough. Yeah. It's very helpful because so often I can find myself like, Oh, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. and I can see something needs, you know, I could continue doing that, but something is saying not. Something, you know, it's so easy to see a job and think, I have to keep going till the job is finished. No, you keep going and you keep aware of your body, your mind, your conditions, and okay, now stop. The job is never finished because it always leads on to the next one, as far as I can see. <laughs> so, as a, you know when it's the time, that's enough for now. Put it down. Pick it up again. The room is never tidy, as far as I can see. It's always in a process of tidying this and that and the other. It's never finished. So you finish it by saying enough. Uh, Kalanyuta, someone who has an understanding of the right time, the timeliness, the timeliness of action, the timeliness of silence, the timeliness of pausing, the timeliness of rising, the right time, the time to say something, and the time to wait. Not the right time to say something, wait. And you know these things without having to think it. Because the nature of chitta knows something that the thinking mind gets always tries to get it figured out and is extremely clumsy. You know? The funny truth of the matter is the chitta is like the nakedness of knowing. And it's like when you're trying to figure it out, it's like you put like putting boxing gloves on to play the piano. <laughs> it's clumsy. You're much better off just know it from the heart and let the thought be used from the heart. Okay, this, and then we'll see how it goes. Try this way, try this way. And this is the way you learn the skills of being alive. Deal with the baseline, correct the baseline, the skills of being a living human being, something we might never have really been taught about we knew about physics we knew about business management we knew about um, engineering but we didn't really get the training in how to be a human and this is uh, the human is the problem and the human is the answer so this is where we have to keep working sadhu so,